God bless you. Victory in Jesus. I did request that song, and I could have swore there was 12 or 13 verses in that thing. I love that song. That song speaks to my heart. The question it asks me is this. Do I believe that I have victory in Jesus Christ? And my response is, hallelujah, amen, and yes, I do. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And Pastor Bill, you are going to be healed totally. In Jesus' name. I'm saying that by faith. You know, uh, the author of uh, the, the, the guy who, person who wrote Victory in Jesus, his name was Eugene Bartlett Sr. He was a prolific hymn writer in the early 19th century, early 1900s. Victory in Jesus was the last song he wrote. And he wrote it at a time he had just suffered a major stroke. He could not speak. He couldn't function very well. But you know what he had in his heart? He had victory in Jesus. And he penned those words. Now, as I was, as I was reading a little bit about him, they're not even sure if he ever had a chance himself to sing that song. But a wonderful song it is, isn't it? Amen. I did get my facts right, didn't I? Okay. I do have one prayer request. You know how we all have extended families and, and people who we don't even really know are members of our family? Um, part of my extended family, um, his name is George, and if you would put him on your prayer list, the prayer team, put him on your prayer list. His name is George, and he lives really local to here. Uh, but remember him in prayer. He, he is, uh, I went and visited him two weeks ago. He was at St. Vincent's Clay, and he has a heart issue. And they said he, they were going to send him to downtown St. Vincent's and do bypass surgery. Okay, so he went, and they took him down there. In the meantime, his son and his wife came and stayed at his house in Middleburg. And on, it was either Friday night or Saturday night, she, 36 years old, she did not wake up. They, we have no idea what the issue was, but she did not wake up. So remember that family, George's family. That's all we need to know because God knows what's going on in that whole situation. But victory in Jesus. We have victory in Jesus. You know, I love that song. I love the thought of having that kind of victory in Jesus. And just like, just like last time. You know, a lot of times pastors will preach and they'll say, they'll have one little verse or one little phrase of a verse, and they'll have 30 or 40 minutes on that. I've got several passages I want to read from, so I'm going to read some before and some after, but I'm going to read quite a, quite a bit of Scripture this evening. I think it's very important that we hear the Word of God in its context. In Colossians chapter 1, Starting in verse 9, and I'm going to read probably down through verse 20, 20-something. 20 um, I don't hear any Bible flipping. Oh, devices. I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't get that. Colossians 1, 
starting in verse 9. And it says, For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. Wow. We all have people in our lives that are praying for us, probably on a daily basis or a regular basis, don't we? And how many of us are praying for people on a regular basis, daily in some cases? The Colossians had Paul praying for this church every day. He didn't cease from giving, giving prayer for them. That, and, we, and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and spiritual understanding and have his wisdom. So Paul was not just praying generally for them. He was praying specifically, wasn't he? Do you pray specifically for the people on your prayer list? for the situations that are on your prayer list. I try to. Sometimes we don't have a choice. We just can't do that because we don't know. Just like my prayer for George and his family. We don't know all the situations that are going on in that, in that whole family. But we know that the one who saves, the one who gives the victory, he knows. And that's what we need to understand and realize. That we may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good, in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to His glorious power, for all patience and long suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints. In light. So we have somebody praying for us. We're praying for people. We have somebody hopefully praying specifically for us. I know we pray for people specifically. And the specifics are, Lord, give them wisdom. Give them understanding. Empower them. Give them the power to work and to walk the way you want us to walk. The way God wants you to walk. He's praying for with thanksgiving, and he's praying for protection. Amen. It's glad to have somebody. I'm glad to have somebody that prays for me. I hope I have somebody praying for me. I know I do. Verse 13. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things consist, and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Verse 19, for it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell. In who? In Christ. All the fullness should dwell. And by him to reconcile all things to himself 
by him, whether, th- whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. And you who were once, who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has re- reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you. Now listen, this is the, the hard part. This is the hard part to believe right here. To present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. Man. I had to look in the mirror this morning, and I don't look that way. But I know I am. I know God looks at me like I'm holy. He looks at me because... It's not me that's holy. It's the blood of Jesus that made me that way. It's not me. It's not anything I did. And the blameless part, it's only because of what Jesus has done in my life. And above reproach in his sight, if indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. It's, also, it's really nice to have somebody praying for you. It's really nice to have somebody saying encouraging words like we just heard. I kind of like the big wooden pulpit because you can put all this stuff out <laughs> Wednesday night. So victory in Jesus. I have victory in Jesus, not by anything I've done, because I'm just a, I was just a, I'm just a sinner. I was lost. I was a wretch, as the song says. But God came down and He picked me out. And he saved my soul. That makes me a victor. Scripture says in verse thirteen that I've been rescued from the prison of sin. And I want to I want to think about being rescued for a moment. When 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 I think of the word rescued, I think of a of a sinking ship, possibly, the Titanic. That comes to mind quite readily in a lot of minds. And do you know when when the Titanic sunk, there were literally hundreds of people trying to stay afloat on pieces of wood and and, and life life preservers and all that. Well. Coming behind uh, the, the Titanic was another cruise ship, if you will, going across. And I, I read a story a while back, and it said that the captain of the ship heard this on the radio and all that was going on, and he he got his he got his crew together, and they prayed and asked God for wisdom and direction, and they they maneuvered through all the icebergs. That the Titanic, some of the some that the Titanic had hit, but they maneuvered through the, the icebergs and they rescued literally hundreds of people. Many lost their lives. I don't know the exact numbers, but many lost their lives. That's what I picture when I when I think about somebody being rescued. We're burying George Bush, George uh, Herbert Walker Bush tomorrow in Texas. Well, when he was a young, young man in his barely, barely teen or barely out of his teens in his early, early 20s, he was a pilot in the Navy, and he crashed. He had two other people on board, two other uh, pilots on board. They both died. 
I don't know if his parachute opened, theirs didn't. I don't know what the situation was. But his, his ship was sunk. He was in the ocean. And he had this life preserver. Uh, it was like a little boat. And I, I don't remember if he was in the water for three hours or three days. I, somewhere in between there. I, I just don't remember what the, the exact story was. But all of a sudden, a submarine popped up next to him. And, you, you know, I, I don't know if I've never been on a submarine. I've never even really, I'm not even sure if I've seen one up close and personal. Some people in here may have. They're huge. So when the, when the submarine came up, they threw a line to him, and he crawled up on the top, and they took him in, and, and, and they took him home. That's what I picture being rescued as being like that. Being rescued is, a, is like when Peter... In, in Acts 12, he was in chains. He was in literal chains. Now, most of us have seen jails and prisons on TV, but I'm talking about gladiator-style movies. When you go down in the dungeons and you see these prisoners who are going to be martyred or going to be killed by the lions or the gladiators, and they are literally chained by chains that one link on the chain is as big as my fist. That's how big that stuff was. That's how heavy that stuff was. And when they put it around your, when they put these these uh, shackles around your arms and legs, you're not going anywhere. You're not going anywhere. And then when they have two guards on either side of you, two outside your door, and one at the main gate, and probably. Others that are walking around doing their job, whatever they're doing. But that Peter was literally tied up. He was not going anywhere. So in the middle of the night, the angel came in, hit him on the leg, said, Wake up, Peter. You're going home. I don't know what the words were he used, but wake up, get your, get your clothes on. The shackles came loose, and Peter thought it was a dream. But he just went along with it. The shackles came loose. The doors opened. Now, I don't know what the guards were doing. I don't know if, if, if God had this cloaking device, this angel had this cloaking device that the Klingons use in, in Star Trek, you know. <clears throat> but no, they didn't see him. He just walked out with the angel. The front gate opened. He walked out. They took him another block or two. And then Peter turned around, and the angel was gone. That's what I call rescue. Amen. That's what I call a rescue. In Psalms 18, verse 17, it says this. God is our rescuer. Rescued. He rescued me. Rescued. Wait a second. I've got to get this right. He, our rescuer, rescued me from my powerful enemy, from my foes who were too strong for me. You know what? Sin is too strong for us. Sin is a powerful enemy to us. And we struggle with situations with with sin sometimes. And we need... We need to sometimes continually need to be rescued from it. 
So we have been rescued. That's the first thing I want to talk about regarding the victory that we have in Jesus Christ. We are rescued. And that word uh, is to be taken from our present circumstances. Peter from his jail. The, the, the people on the Titanic from the ocean. From George Bush, the ocean. Where have you been rescued from? What is it you have been rescued from? We can think about that. We've been rescued from our prison of sin, our sinking ship. We've been rescued from the dominion of darkness. I think about a prisoner in jail. Now, I, I don't ever picture myself being in jail. Something for, but picture yourself in jail for a crime that you committed. And you're sitting in there in your easy chair. And your lawyer comes in. And he says, you're not guilty. Well, no, no. He says, you're free to go. Your debt's been paid. He opens the, he unlocks the door of the prison cell, and he says, you're free to go. So what do we, what do we do sometimes? Oh, man, I'm really comfortable. I just want to sit here for a little bit. Think about your most comfortable chair. Where are you the most comfortable around your house? I got a really nice recliner that I love. I, can go to, I sleep on that sometimes, not all night, but for a little while. In the dominion of darkness, he unlocks the door and says you can go free. What power or authority has taken control over you and keeps you in bondage? And I use that illustration of being in a chair because it's comfortable. It's something I really like. What's keeping you in bondage? What's holding you back from being the servant that God wants you to be in your life? What issues and struggles do you have that keeps you? Is it an addiction? Is it, uh, is it something that keeps you bound to a relationship that isn't right? Anything that keeps us bound takes us away from Christ. What keeps you handcuffed to this sin? Lust, greed, that you are too ashamed to fight against? When we have an issue or a struggle and we, and we can't fight it, we need help sometimes. And there are people that can help us, that can pray for us. We have groups here that, that meet, that can help. On Monday night, there's a men's group that, that I, I can't think of the name. What is the name of that, that Dave Rebar? Man Cave. I, I'm not sure if the ladies have a ministry like that. I don't know. I can't go to that one, so I don't know if they have one. But we're saved from these. What are we saved to? We're saved to the kingdom of the Son He loves. The kingdom of light. Why? 
to enjoy his life, to enjoy the peace of God that passes all understanding. The devil, in John 10.10 says, comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus goes on and says, but I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. I like another version that says, have it to the full, have it to the, to the, to the uttermost. We can have that abundance of God. What does that include? That includes the peace of God that passes all understanding. That includes having joy in your heart. That is enjoying the forgiveness of God in your life and accepting the forgiveness of God in your life. We've been rescued. We've been reconciled. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8 says this, All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He has rescued us and reconciled us for a purpose. He's reconciled us so we can help rescue others and reconcile others. What that means is we're brought back together after being separated. We were separated at the fall, alienated from God because of our sins, because of our sin nature and the way that we're bent that way, because we're bent that way. That's just our nature. But we are presented holy in God's sight without blemish because of the blood of Christ. We are free from accusation. The enemy can say all sorts of things against us, but they're not true. He can only accuse us of things that we've been forgiven. That's a lot of times what keeps us keeps us down. Remember when you did this, Steve? Remember when you thought that? Remember when you said that? Remember when you went there and this and all that other stuff? Yeah, Lord, I yeah. I, can't, I just can't get up here and, and talk tonight. You don't believe that stuff. You've been forgiven. That's what counts. You believe you've been forgiven. Presented holy without blemish. We are free from accusation. You know, I, I picture uh, Satan in a courtroom, and Jesus is our advocate, and God is on the throne. And Satan says... Steve, Steve did this and Steve did that, and Jesus says, hey, he's, he's one of mine. Overruled. I go free. We have not only been rescued and reconciled, ladies and gentlemen, we have been redeemed. We have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And that word redeemed means to buy out, to purchase, like purchasing a a slave to set them free. And that's what's happened to me. I've been set free. Have you been set free? Who have we been redeemed by? The second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says, The glory of Christ, who is the image of God, 
Hebrews 1, verse 3 says, The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. Bought with a price, set free. If you know the truth, what will the truth do? Set us free. We've been redeemed in, in uh, Galatians chapter 3. It says this We've been redeemed from the curse of the law. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, in order that in Christ Jesus the blessings of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we would receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. We've been redeemed by the creator of all things. And I read that whole passage of scripture. Go back and read that passage today, tonight before you go to bed. That is a really encouraging passage of scripture. That will empower you. It really will. And that's one of my points, actually. But that will empower you. So we've been rescued, redeemed. Rescued, reconciled, and redeemed. And now we're energized. We're empowered. First of all, by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes into us, and He gives us the power and the the, uh, the power to live the way He wants us to live. We have all of God in us. We have the supernatural in us to accomplish the supernatural through us. Psalms sixty-eight thirty-five says this. Oh God, you are more awesome than your holy places. The God of Israel, he is he who gives strength and power to his people. In Isaiah chapter 40, verse 30, it says this, Even the Appreciate that. The Boston Marathon is among, well, first I want to make a statement. We have those around us when we go through struggles and issues of life to encourage us, to lift us up, to egg us on, to to light a fire under us, to move with us, to help us, to bless us, to speak those words of encouragement. The Boston Marathon is among the world's best-known races, one of the most infamous portions of the 26th 26-mile, 385-yard course is Heartbreak Hill. It's there along that hill that thousands of spectators gather. They stand and, and clear. They stand and cheer as they see weary runners about to collapse. During one race, a young man was near total exhaustion as he approached, approaches the foot of Heartbreak Hill. It was doubtful he could go a step further. About halfway up the hill, an older man, who was obviously in better shape, came up alongside the younger man and put his arm around him and spoke quietly to him. Together, step by step, they painstakingly made their way up Heartbreak Hill. 
If life and death are in the power of the tongue, so are victory and defeat. Who have you encouraged lately? Now, I know I know I have. Uh, probably most of us haven't run the Boston Marathon. Do I see any hands? No runners? <clears throat> but we've all needed encouragement. How many of us have been struggling at times in our walk with Christ that we, we had just wished there was somebody that would, that would mentor us or encourage us or pray for us? Man, many times, many times. But here's another thing. How many times have you offered and you helped and you went up alongside someone? Maybe going through a struggle that you've already been through. Maybe going through an issue that you've already experienced. Have you used your words of encouragement and blessing and touched their heart and gotten them up that hill? Well, let me share some good news. We are complete in Him. Colossians 2, 9 and 10 says, For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him, who is the head of all principality and power. You know, when I have Jesus, I don't need anything else. I have Christ in my heart. I don't need anything else. So we're complete in Him. We're also complete in our salvation. We need no other. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of anything that you've ever done. Not by works. We're complete in forgiveness. He took all our sins to the cross with Him past, present, and future. 1 John 1, 9 says what? Do you know that one? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we're complete in him, we're saved in him, we're forgiven by him, and we're completely released from the power of death. Colossians 2.15 says, Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. This body may die, but the minute my heart stops and I'm dead, my soul is going to be in the arms of Jesus. That I know. I don't hope it. I know it. Not because I'm a good old boy. And I'm not. You don't think I do. But it's because of what Christ has done in me. I know in whom I have believed. 1 Corinthians 15.55 says this. Death is swallowed up in victory. Amen? Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, death, where is your victory? I've passed from death unto life. Do you know 
for sure that you have passed from death unto life? Do you know for sure that if you died today, that you would go to heaven, that your soul would go to heaven? You know, we're completely saved. We're forgiven. We're we're completely released with the power of life in our words. Like I said before, are we speaking words of encouragement? Are we speaking words of forgiveness? Are we speaking words of witness of our faith? Are we we speaking uh, inspiration into the hearts and the lives of those who we come in contact with? Are we sharing the gospel and asking somebody, do you know Jesus as your Savior? Would you like to be saved today? Do you realize how many people would say yes? I can't even realize that number. There are people out there that will say yes, but I don't know how. I've had that happen to me. What are your words today? What are your actions? And I close by saying three words. Victory in Jesus. And all of God's people said, Amen.